Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock. I'll be the host for this podcast. And we're talking today with Alma Miklasevics, who is an associate attorney at Mundal Law. How are you doing today, Alma? I'm doing well, thank you. Now, today's topic, property division for unmarried couples. So essentially, the stuff that they have and don't necessarily have a marriage contract, right, Alma? Absolutely. Many people, they're in a relationship. The last thing they think about is entering into a contract. Many of these relationships are long-term, and over the course of a long-term relationship, you're going to acquire things. You may purchase property together, hold other assets in common. Family law with unmarried persons, what you see is child custody, parenting time, paternity actions, child support. Uh, Those are the most common things for for unmarried couples to encounter with family law. Property division is a little tougher. So we've got an unmarried couple and they're splitting up. What are the main types of property that will be dealt with? Most often, the vast majority of cases, it's going to involve some real property, a home, maybe a cabin, Something like that, that that has some significant value. So that's probably the biggest thing that is generally dealt with even in a regular divorce with married people. So what types of situations would we be talking about? There's a few different types. The first one would be a situation where you've been living together, you've purchased a piece of property together, and you're both on the title to that property, either as joint tenants or tenants in common, and then you split up and you can't agree on what to do with the property, what do you do then? In this situation, where you're on the title, you could pursue what is called a partition action. And that's a a type of civil case. It's not brought in family court. It's brought in civil court, so it's a little bit different. And it's fairly complicated to do. The process involves filing a summons and complaint, like you would in a divorce. And basically what you end up with is referees sorting out what exactly your interest is. Let's say it's 50-50. Well, then you come to the same issue that you have in a divorce where the house is jointly owned and it's likely the single largest asset that the parties have. How do you split that house? In many marriages, the house ends up being sold because there aren't enough other assets to divide things. And that can be the case, too, with a partition action. It's called a partition by sale. And a judge can force a sale of property like that in order to make sure each side gets their fair portion of the value. Or if there are other assets and one person can afford to buy the other person out for whatever their interest is, let's say half, then that could happen. And that's called a partition in kind. That's one situation where you're both on the title. There must be situations where there's only one person on the title. 
but there have been things done to the property by both parties. And so that other party who's not on the title, they should be considered in some fashion, depending on what was done. That's true. They can be, but they also might not be. We have cases that go both ways in Minnesota. In addition to being on title, if you're not on title, Minnesota has what is commonly referred to as a cohabitation statute. It's actually two statutes, Minnesota 513.075 and .076. These were enacted in the early 1980s in response to the famous Lee Marvin palimony suit in California, which I think was decided in 1979, thereabout. Essentially, if you're cohabitating with someone, in order to get anything after you split up, the anti-palimony statute says that you have to have a written agreement and that agreement can't be enforced until after the relationship is ended. That's 513.075. 513.076 says that you have to have that contract, otherwise the court has no jurisdiction to hear your claim, and it's contrary to public policy. And if there's no written agreement, you don't have any claim to the property of another person. If the only consideration was you know, simply living with that person and having intimate relations with them is not sufficient for this statute. So written agreements in these types of long-term relationships are really not common. They're a very good idea, but they're really not common. So you're mentioning living together, but with a written agreement. So if you can elaborate on that. Well, say a written agreement would think of it like a, a prenuptial or an antenuptial. It can include things like what your interest is in a property versus their interest. could even include a provision for support in the event your relationship ends, monetary support like spousal maintenance. So with contracts, you can largely contract whatever you want, unless it's contrary to public policy or some other reasons. So anything could be in that written agreement, but it does have to be written and it cannot be based solely on the intimate relationship between you and this other person. Minnesota does not want to give people who are only living together the same rights that they give to married persons, and so there's some limitation. What if there is no title for real property or home, and there's no written agreement? What does a couple that's splitting up do then for dividing up their property? In those cases, the person who is on the title is in pretty good shape, generally. But if you are not on the title and there is no written agreement, there is still some hope with a type of equitable remedy, which is known as a constructive trust or an unjust enrichment claim. Essentially, this type of equitable claim is saying to a court, this result isn't fair. In the case of a home or a second home, you contributed a lot to improving that property. You made joint payments on it for all this time. You weren't on the title maybe for another reason. Maybe you didn't have a good credit rating at the time. Maybe there were other factors. And with this type of claim, where there's no written agreement, you're just arguing for a fair result. And again, the anti-palimony statute says that your claim cannot be based solely on the intimate relationship between you and the other person. What you would need to show really in an equitable relief claim is 
is really the value that you put in. It could be bank records. Maybe you had a joint bank account. You both put your money in and you paid the house mortgage and bills out of that. Maybe you had your finances separate, but you contributed half each month. And we can show that through bank records. The big case here in Minnesota came in 1983, shortly after these palimony statutes were enacted. And that's called Henry Estate of Erickson. In that case, the parties agreed to join together to purchase a home. They understood that the house would be purchased equally, joint funds, both their names. Ultimately, though, they decided that the title should only be placed in Erickson's name and that he would execute the purchase of the property. A couple of reasons for this. One, uh, the other party was still married in this case, legally separated, but still married. And that would create a very awkward situation with rights for her estranged husband. It would also require her estranged husband's consent for her to enter into a new mortgage. So it was simpler for them to do it this way. And that's what they did. They shared the expenses. They even bought a term life policy together and made payments on together. A term life policy that eventually, when Erickson died, paid off most of the remaining mortgage. In that case, it was brought in probate court because one of the parties was deceased. And the probate court said, yes, this would be an unjust result. The estate should not have the whole interest in this property. In that case, the plaintiff won because of the agreement to purchase the home together. It wasn't written, but more so the financial contributions that they each made to the house. And that could be shown through records and such. The consideration wasn't simply the intimate relationship that the parties shared. There was money that each party put towards it and maintained it in the term life policy. And so the court found that it was more like a joint venture, a business partnership, and that's how it was treated. Is there anything else that you could share with us about property division in the case of folks splitting up outside of a marriage? I guess I would say that it's not a type of case that you frequently come across in family law. If you're in this type of situation, I would just recommend that you seek out an experienced family law attorney, someone who is more likely to have come across this type of case in their practice, and talk to that person and find out what your options may be. Because these cases are very fact-specific, and if you're going to have any success here, you're going to need a good attorney. Well, thank you so much, Alma. Thank you. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundall Law website at mundalllaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.